Justified season one is over, but we're just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I am here with a man who I have given, and I think this is generous, 24 hours to leave this podcast, Antonio Mazzaro. Well, thank you, Josh. I'm, I'm wondering if we shouldn't just get to it right now. 24 hours is kind of a formality, right? Like, like once you. Yeah, it's like an estimate. It's like yeah, a, I mean, a rough number. Really, if you see me again before that 24 hours is up, you probably should just take me out. I'm not going to kill you. I don't want you to think that that's what I'm talking about. I'm just asking you kindly to leave. That's the Wiggler way? Yeah, mostly because, like, I don't want to be on this podcast for 24 hours. That's all I'm saying. Oh, well, I, I, we're not trying to set any, break any no, marathon no, records? No. I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think this time. What, I don't think that's what we're shooting for yet. What, what do you think the longest podcast in post-show recaps history is? And was it one of the Boardwalk Empire podcasts oh, I man. did with Jeremiah Panhorse? What's the, what's the longest your Boardwalk Empire podcast went? Oh, I think we got uh, about two, two hours, 20 minutes, two hours, 30 minutes in one of them. I feel like I've gone two and a half on something. I mean, you no, know, I, I could tell you pretty obviously uh, it's the it's some of those lost episode rankings. I think were, were uh, pretty yeah. long. We got to like three hours on the final one. I think. I think we did too. So I don't, that... I don't think that we're going to go three hours today. I don't. I certainly don't think we're going to go twenty four hours. I think let's go like an hour, hour and a half. I think sounds reasonable. It's so. important though that we know what our records are. Just yes. In case. <laughs> well, Antonio, you and I could talk for a long time about just about anything. So uh, giving ourselves a hard out is probably not a bad call. No, especially not with something like Justified, which we're going to do season by season, of course. If this is your first time listening, I know Josh will get into that in a second, but we we really could go episode by episode if we wanted to because it's such a great show. Yeah, I don't think that I'm... Uh, I'm I, I think we could talk about season one just generally today, unless you wanted to talk about it episode by episode. No, 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 yeah, no, no. I'm just saying like we could... Especially season one, I think, and we'll, we'll get into reasons why I think you and I are on the same page with some of this stuff. Uh, but yeah, as, as Antonio alluded to, this is uh, the Justified podcast on Post Show Recap. This is the second episode of the Justified podcast that we've done. Uh, if you haven't listened to the first one, go back and listen to that. It's a it's a solid overview of what Justified is all about. Uh, great FX show about uh, U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens, who hunts down the bad guys and is a total, total badass as well himself. Uh, we are talking today only about season one. So if you're if you're new to Justified, if you're if you're watching for the first time this is very spoiler friendly we're not uh or i guess unspoiler friendly no spoilers is what we're trying to say we're not we're not spoiling anything past season one we're just talking about the season that we're talking about in each given episode of the podcast uh so this is this is the season one all the time show so if you have not gotten through season one i would recommend you get out of here you go and watch that stuff uh otherwise it's safe you're in a safe place Yes, I think that's right. And if you haven't watched season one and you don't intend to, then that's fine. You can stick around. But if at any point you intend to or if anything we're saying tickles your fancy enough that you decide you want to hop on Amazon Prime and start checking them out. Yeah, we'll be here when you get back. Uh, and I got to say, so, Antonio, I, I don't know if we touched on this the first time uh, we started talking about Justified. But for me, I, I binge watched the first two seasons of Justified when I first got into the show. Season three was the first show I was watching live. Uh, so I haven't gone back and revisited this show at all uh i intended to just be done with season one by the time that you and i got on the line today as of today uh we are recording this on december 9th i am through season two already uh so this it's like kind of like pringles once you pop the fun don't stop you kind of just got to keep going with justified very bingeable show 
Yeah, and 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 it's one that because it is bingeable and because there are it becomes a serialized show, uh, it really does lend itself to that. When we'll talk about this in season one, but the early episodes, of course, are a little more a story of the week, and when they become more serialized, not only is it bingeable, it's something you're going to want to really binge. So, uh, hopefully, those of you who haven't finished uh, seasons later in the series can continue to do that because we'll be catching up pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I think you, I think you touched on something. We should just get out of the way up front. You know, we sang the praises of Justified in our first podcast. I think if you had never watched the show before, and if all you have seen at this point is season one, maybe you're scratching your head a little bit. I think season one isn't. You know, it's not a weak season of television by any standards. I think it's a weaker season of Justified, uh, and I think it, it it takes a little while to find its footing. Do you think that that's unfair? Or would you sign off on that? Oh, not only would I sign off on it, I'd give that my full throated endorsement that. This is a series that I, I do think took a little while to find its legs uh, from being a story of the week type show to a show that really starts its chickens coming home to roost fairly quickly. And with the premise that's set up, of course, there is a lot of opportunity for that, right? You've got a guy who has a ton of history in the area that he's returning to. And so because of that, it only makes sense that as he discovers more of that history and he discovers more of the past that he couldn't really leave behind that he might've actually been trying to run from that that past is going to come back in a way that affects him directly on a week by week basis and not in this kind of story of the week kind of thing. It also makes a lot more sense from a realistic standpoint. I'm from Kentucky, uh, Harlan County and, and other counties throughout Kentucky. Really, there is not a place in Kentucky that is so rife with these kind of arch criminals that you're going to have a different one every week. That's worth checking out. That's going to be as interesting as maybe building up one person like Boyd Crowder, uh, like like Arlo Givens, like the people that they build up a little a little bit more. Uh, it, it makes a lot more sense to do it that way and have a serial story involving those characters that it does constantly bringing in new goons week by week uh, who are so rich and so in, fun to watch. And even actually in the early episodes of the show, we can talk about Long in the Tooth, episode four, where we're not even in Kentucky anymore because I'm sure. I'm not sure the show knew what it wanted is to that, be. Is yet. that the uh, the dentist Cameron episode? It is the dentist Cameron episode. It is. Yeah. So he goes, he goes to L.A. to track down a dentist who's not really a dentist af- at all. He's uh, a, a missing fugitive who's changed his name, and he is now on everybody's radar because he's just gone ape shit on this guy's mouth. He's just pulled out all these teeth, and now he's on the run again. Yeah, because he's really not the worst guy. He was a guy who kind of was an accountant. No, he's a the, pretty solid dude. He was an accountant for the mafia, and then he decided he wanted to be a, a dentist for low-income patients. I mean, this is a pretty good guy. And so, yeah, the show sends Raylan out there, and the involvement there is really more Raylan in the Miami mob than it is anything that happened in Kentucky. But I think they quickly realized that what was going on in Kentucky was far, far, far more compelling. And once they really dig in and get into that, and season two is all that, uh, it becomes a much more uh, like a live vital show uh, than it is in these early parts of season one where they're kind of jumping from setting to setting and it shows more about Raylan than it is about Raylan in the setting. Right. And I think also the show is trying a little bit to do, you know, justice to the Rachel character and Tim and trying to give them showcases earlier on. And while I think it, it, it kind of, it kind of sucks that, that Tim and Rachel maybe fade into the background a little bit aren't quite as prominent as as maybe you would you would think of two of the people who are the series regulars on the show i think it's better when they're part of uh part of the scenery rather than having these episodes i'm thinking of of long in the tooth in in particular because that's the one rachel goes to la with raylan right 
That's correct. And, and it's just like, eh, you know, I'm, I like I, I like her. She's fine. She's great. But I think that when you try to do like the Rachel episode, I'm even thinking season two, there's a Rachel episode is probably the worst of season two. Yeah. And, and that the show hopefully long-term will benefit from the times they've invested in those characters. And they try to get a little bit more mileage of the, out of them as the series goes on. Uh, so, but in, in the moment or when we're watching season one, it does, it just doesn't feel as important or as interesting as some of the other things that we had going on in Kentucky when we're outside with characters that aren't as interesting as the ones we were really seeing on the ground there, uh, or aren't as vital to Raylan's story. And that's, that's kind of what happens early on. But I mean, early, early on, I think we should talk about fire in the hole. Yeah, totally. All right. So let's talk about that. Let's, well, let's talk about the setup for the series, uh, which we touched on a little bit last time, but now we can really dive into in, in a, in a full on way. Um, the show, the, the first episode of justified is adapted from this short story called fire in the hole written by Elmore Leonard. It's basically note for note. Uh, you know, it's, there's little things that are different here and there. Obviously the timeline's a little different in the fire in the hole short story. There's references to, to Boyd Crowder being a Vietnam war veteran. And here, you know, he was in Afghanistan. I think he, he fought in Afghanistan, right? Yeah. I, I know he fought in, yeah, I think he fought in Afghanistan. It might've been Iraq, but uh, it was certainly, I know Tim fought in Afghanistan, the sniper. Right. So, I, I mean, it's, it's modern day, you know, fire in the hole was written, I think in the 19, maybe late eighties, early nineties, somewhere, somewhere in there. So Vietnam was, was the war they were talking about then. So there's little things like that. Uh, Raylan is, you know, he's divorced from Winona in the fire in the hole short story. He has two kids with her. There are no kids in the picture here in, in season one of Justified. Uh, so it's it's there's little tiny, tiny differences. But then there's a lot from from dialogue to the to the beats. You know, the fact that uh, there's even the scene where where Raylan, uh, he gets the upper hand on Devil and Dewey Crow in the car and breaks their noses. Uh, so just like little details from Fire in the Hole, the short story to the first episode of Justified are really on point with a very pivotal difference towards the end, which is it, the Fire in the Hole short story, Raylan, when he shoots Boyd Crowder in the chest, kills Boyd Crowder. Uh, obviously on the show, that is not the case. Boyd Crowder lives to become an enormous part of Justified. Yeah, and as well he should have, right? I don't know at what point that decision was made to save him rather than kill him. I think it's because, I, and I actually think this is the reason, is I think Walton Goggins was just killing it with the material. Uh, and they, they had this character that was so compelling and so uh, this actor who was just tearing it up and just doing such a great job that they're like, why not just leave him alive and let's see what comes of it. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I think I, that, that it was a good choice. You know, it's impossible to imagine the show without him. Yeah, I hope that's true. I hope that's what happened. In my dream world, they he got on set and it was always planned that he would die. And like a, like a Jesse Pinkman type character from the, the early episode of Breaking Bad, they decided he was too good and they've got to keep him around for a little while. I really hope that that's what happened because they they he really does kill it. And I like I like to think that he gets on set and they were so impressed with what he was doing that that's what happened because. The story with Boyd and Raylan, and and this is just only season one story here, but I really like how it's so it's so framed perfectly with Bulletville episode thirteen. What we have happened in Fire in the Hole, and what we realize exists between Raylan and Boyd, it, it runs a lot deeper than just Marshall and criminal. Uh, it it actually 
talks and speaks to their history in Harlan County and everything that they grew up with. Uh, and that's why when the chips are truly well and truly down uh, in the moment and later in the season, uh, Raylan's with Boyd and you, you have a feeling or you, re- you recognize that these two guys could work together, that in another life with the same priorities, they could be really, really good friends. Right, but in this life, more often than not, not they're so on, much. They're on, yeah, they're on, they're on opposite ends. They're, right? on, op- they're on opposite sides of the line. They, they are who they are. Uh, you know, a big part of season one is with, with the Boyd story in particular is, you know, Boyd is this, he's, you know, this, he's basically this white supremacist in the first episode. He is uh, very dedicated, you know, very strict reading of the Bible, has pretty nasty things to say about Jews and black people and all sorts of horrible things. And then he gets shot by Raylan and he has, he's like, it's a born again moment. Uh, And he becomes very deeply, deeply religious, but in what appears at first to be a more positive way where he really wants to stay away from crime and, and help people and heal people. And that quickly gives way to old habits. And that quickly gives way to a lot of, a lot of bloodshed. It gets, it gets very violent, very fast for Boyd. Yeah, one of the things I really like about the season one story with Boyd Crowder is I don't know about you. I I never once he once he gets shot. Okay, so even before he's shot, and once he gets shot, especially, I'm never sure I'm truly tracking what his motives are. Like I I, I agree with you completely that the born again stuff it seems fake, and yet. In the moment, for example, in a later episode, he blows up a trailer with a meth lab in it uh, and accidentally uh, someone's in there and, and he kills them. Yeah, I think he's truly torn up over that. I, agree. I don't I tend agree. to do that at all. And the question I ask myself is, did he blow up that meth lab because he intended to set up operations and he wanted to eliminate the competition? Or did he truly think it was poison that needed to be eliminated? And I'm, I, we have various reasons to believe both. And yeah. I think that's the thing with Boyd Crowder is I think other people have a hard time always reading his motives. I think Raylan's a little puzzled by it. That's kind of a ongoing theme throughout the season is Raylan doesn't trust him, but there maybe there are reasons to trust him and <laughs> Boyd is at odds with his family uh, over some of these incidents. So uh, I, I don't know exactly what his motives are. And I think that's why he's more of a fascinating character. I do think they got him away from the white supremacy though, because they wanted him to be a little more likable, the kind of guy you might actually want to root for uh, or want to see on the show. And I, there's just no way you could get behind that if he's a white supremacist. Well, right? yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. No way. And I mean, it's even hard, like knowing that this guy still has like swastika tattoos and like Skinhead written on his knuckles and things like that, but the, you know those are essentially their scars of an of an old past that he can't run away from. I don't know if if they if the writers made the choice to make Boyd, um, you know, to to move Boyd away from that stuff to make him more likable, or if he becomes more likable as a result of the choice. But I definitely agree that if they, had, you know, if that had remained a big part of his character, that he, you know, genuinely believes these racist views that that he's sporting in the in the first episode of the series if that continues throughout the season it's impossible to like this guy unless you yourself are a terrible person <laughs> which you know i don't want to judge maybe you are <laughs> not maybe. me you don't mean me you mean the the general oh, antonio you. i've done enough podcasts with you by now to know that you are a horrible person so that's good yeah. you know i really can't stand uh, i'm not going to say a word there because don't, don't, if don't. i would have said a word there then people wouldn't realize i was joking yeah i'm not going to say it but yeah. yeah i think you're right i think 
the point is that uh, that he just uh, unless you really were into that, unless that was your sort of thing, then yeah, he's he's it's no good to have him like that. And I sort of actually like the idea that he never really truly bought into it on some level because in the book, uh, in in the short story, I should say, Fire in the Hole, he's got some sort of uh, like tax-based argument. He's got some sort of like politics-based argument for why he doesn't like minorities, right. why he's down with the Jews. He's got all these political axes to grind, which hits a little too close to home this day and age with people grinding similar axes across all of social media and the world, really. So in, in this story here, I don't know that that was it or that really came across. I sort of was of the opinion that it was snake oil that he was selling to a bunch of idiots, and it was an easy group of idiots to find uh, because those are the people that back his views so he just needed people behind him and those are the people that were easy for him, for him to find and I don't know maybe it's something he found in prison and, and left behind maybe he was doing it to get by in prison it's hard to say I don't want to make excuses for Boyd Crowder he blew up a church uh, which really was questionable and seemed racist. But then again, the underpinning to that is that it wasn't racist at all, that it actually was business-based, that it had something to do with marijuana dealing, uh, and that was the reason for it, and, and, and that was the specific target, not any white supremacist reason. That was only his cover for it. So it's all very interesting when you think about Boyd Crowder and you try to unravel all that. And I would say, I, you know, you, you question whether or not did he blow up the meth lab so that he could open up a, a door for himself in terms of getting into a new industry into, into a new criminal activity. I, I question that because of his reaction to all of his his disciples in the, the Church of Last Chance of Salvation uh, when they're all killed by his father, when, when Bo Crowder comes and kills them all. Boyd is very legitimately distraught over this. You know, he's walked all of these people right up to death's door and let them through, and he's still here. Uh, and he, he takes all of those deaths on himself, I think. So I think at least once he's, after he's shot, uh, after he's released from prison all the way through that moment, uh, even when he's blowing up the meth lab, I don't think that he means to kill the person who is in the, the meth lab, the, the criminal informant who gets killed, who's, who's in the bathroom. Uh, I think that he, he views it like he tries to justify it to himself as collateral damage. I think he's just trying to, to rid Harlan of, of meth. I don't think that he has an ulterior motive there. And I, I would pin a lot of that on the fact that he's just so broken up over the deaths of, uh, of his people. Yeah, and that that is true. And if you think about it, that is predicated or that that whole action is based on the fact that he blew up his father's truck with the precursor for meth, with uh, with what was needed for his father to continue to make meth. And so that was an action that was a direct response to his father. I don't think it wasn't like he hijacked the truck. He actually said he wanted to hijack the truck and tried to got he got his cousin behind the plan, uh, cousin Johnny, and then didn't do it. He blew it up, yeah. fire in the hole. Yeah, and that was. What, that was ultimately what led to his people dying. And then the other thing is when those people die, he goes right to Raylan and asks for Raylan to help. Yeah. And I think that's pretty telling is that he he really is he's at the lost. end of the he's lost. There. Yep. And so I am of I'm more of the mindset that he's not really this super bad guy, at least not in season one. He is lost and he's just trying to find a calling. And he maybe the religious thing is real and maybe he really does feel it. That said, 
everybody in that compound is loaded and armed to the tooth, such that when the feds show up, they have to hide somebody under a fire in a hot box full of guns, literally full of guns. That scene's great. That's so yes. good. Yes. So something's going on there. I don't know exactly what his plan is, but that's part of why I love Boyd Crowder so much is that I don't always, I'm not always on the same mental plane as he is about what his plans are, but they're always fascinating to watch play out. Uh, so we're talking a lot about Boyd. We got to start digging into Raylan Givens. Of course, he is the hero of the show. Um, can, can you kind of set up a little bit of what Raylan's journey is throughout season one? Sure. Raylan, obviously, at the beginning of Fire in the Hole, uh, and this is both the episode and the novella, the short story, whatever you call it, he's in Miami. He's a federal agent. He is a U.S. Marshal. So he's tracking down bail skips and fugitives and things like that and just doing general kind of work. But he's clearly gotten into a mess in Miami where he works. And he has an issue with this guy, Tommy Bucks, I believe his name is, and he shoots him. Basically, he gives the guy 24 hours to leave town. The guy doesn't leave town within the 24 hours or right as the 24 hours are expiring. Raylan goes and visits him. They're sitting at a nice little dinner. And right as the guy starts to make a move that looks like it might be a move for a gun because Raylan's not backing down on his, you got to get out of town. Uh, Raylan shoots him dead right there. And that causes quite a problem for Raylan, both lots of problems, really. Professionally, uh, it, it causes problems for him uh, in many other ways uh, because the Miami Mafia is very, Miami mobs, very upset. So he's returned back to Kentucky. And then as he's returned back to Kentucky, where he's from, uh, he's forced to face up with a lot of issues from his past. His ex-wife is there. Uh, a, a woman who had a, a great crush on him when he was a kid is there. Uh, she becomes a witness in a case that... That's uh, that's Ava Crowder, uh, Boyd's sister-in-law, shoots her, shoots her uh, husband who's abusive, uh, and Raylan is involved in that as well. And that those are all these ghosts keep coming back at Raylan. He eventually has to deal with his uh, his father Arlo, who is seems like maybe he's a little bit of a petty criminal in Harlan. But the more you learn about him throughout season one, you learn he's sort of a criminal mastermind of some sort. He's heavily involved. Uh, in the criminal enterprise in Kentucky, and you get a very good idea of why Raylan left the the state behind. Uh, there's a lot of problems for him there. So Raylan finds himself in incidents throughout the season, increasing incidents where he's shooting people. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? Like the first four episodes, I think he's got four or five bodies on him. He's got a lot of bodies on him, and and Raylan says something pretty amazing. I think at the pilot that he's like, "All right, don't make me draw this gun because when I draw this gun, I you know I take it out with intent." to to kill because you know that's what it's for yeah. uh so if you get raylan to draw he'll put you down uh yeah. and a lot of people get raylan to draw yeah that happens uh he's in the in the first episode alone he's shooting a couple people boyd crowder being one of them and then he's shooting just random people that he comes into contact with some of which he seems to invite by kind of instigating or upping the ante on the conversation. Uh, and sometimes he's just in a position where he has to shoot his way out, and it's not really his fault. Uh, but this becomes an increasing problem for Raylan throughout the season. The U.S. attorney starts looking into him uh, as to whether his shootings were justified or hey, not. USA Vasquez, underrated yes. character. Yeah, underrated character and kind of a funny character. And I, I know I know we're definitely going to talk about uh, the episode uh, Blind Spot. Is that is that the one where I think that? Uh, yeah, I think Blind Spot is the episode the episode where Raylan really has to become essentially a hostage negotiator. Oh no, that's uh, which one is that? Um, 
Uh, that's blowback. Blowback. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 blowback, blowback. That's a good one. So, yeah, he. it's a perfect title, too, because in some ways it's blowback for everything that's come before Raylan, because as he's being investigated, of course, he's less inclined to continue to use lethal force, puts him in some really difficult positions. Eventually, he's in a position where uh, the AUSA is basically telling him, like, if you have to kill this guy, kill him. And Raylan is trying to prove something, like, I don't have to kill everybody. So he's trying to talk the guy out of it. All this is all this is really good Raylan given stuff throughout the season. I want to talk to you about a moment. I'm not sure exactly what episode it's in. You might be able to remember Raylan is in a bar waiting for his ex-wife Winona to show up. Yeah. And he gets into a little bit of a fight with these two drunk guys that are sitting at the bar. And Raylan himself is, is pretty drunk in this scene. And he essentially tells him he wants to fight and takes him outside and starts fist fighting with him. And they beat the ever loving crap out of him. Yes. Yeah, is that what he wanted? Uh, yeah, the episode's hatless. It's episode nine, uh, and this is you know like he ha- he now has uh, you know he's he's met with. This is after the hostage negotiation episode that you're talking about, uh, and AUSA Vasquez, who seems like a pretty decent dude, seems to have a decently friendly relationship with Raylan, even though Raylan knows that AUSA Vasquez is investigating him. It's his job, uh, and Vasquez lays it out on the table. He says, uh, we know that you have been boning Ava Crowder. Uh, we know that you've been sleeping with her, uh, and that that's like witness tampering or it's, it's, it's something like that. Uh, and through this, they are, you know, the, the case against Boyd Crowder is screwed up. Uh, so because of this, Boyd is released from prison early. Uh, and now Raylan, you know, he doesn't feel like he can be with Ava anymore. He feels like his feelings for Ava compromised the investigation into Boyd. And, you know, it's his, it's his fault that Boyd is back on the streets. He gets suspended, I think from the marshal service. If I'm not mistaken. He, I don't remember if he gets suspended. I, I, I mean, cause his way back in is when he sounds, when he's, sounds right. <laughs> when he's assigned to guard duty on Steven root. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so he's, you know, he, he's not in a good way. He basically blames himself for, for Boyd getting out of jail early. And so, yeah, he just, uh, he's got some, he's got some time off. So he is just going to get blasted and get into fights with people. And then they steal his hat and he's not happy about that. Yeah. And that episode is very personal for him because his ex-wife, uh, her husband is kind of this real estate guy who's been involved in some bad beats. Gary, 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 Gary Hawkins, not Hogaboom. Gary Hawk, Gary not Hogaboom. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's been uh, he, for for all I know, he's giving people his real name. I'm not 100 percent sure. He's so. a, he's in some he's in some bad business deals, and, and and it puts him in contact with the criminal element that he doesn't want to be in contact with. Some gangsters, one of whom played by Jer Burns, Win Duffy, is a very memorable character. Yeah, I think it was Brendan Fitzpatrick uh, who who listened to our first podcast and uh, scolded us for not even mentioning Win Duffy's name once. Which, uh, f- you know, fair enough. Scoldworthy, scoldworthy. S- slap our wrists because that character is incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah this is a, the first Win Duffy appearance. He's a he's a character that only is you know a one off character in season one, but we'll see him again for sure. If you're not familiar with Jer Burns or Win Duffy and you've ever seen Mike Boogie on Big Brother, they could be brothers. They uh Win Duffy looks like the older Mike Boogie. Mike Boogie's maybe falling on some hard times, some things going on at his bars haven't really worked out. Maybe he starts living out of a Winnebago. I don't know. Working for uh, the Dixie Mafia. Working for the Dixie Mafia as a button man, whatever it is. Like, yeah. So Raylan comes into contact with with those kind of characters throughout the series. But really 
what's happening to Raylan is he's in a, he's just in a bad way. He 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 was happy in Florida and wanted to be there, but he's carrying around a lot of darkness in him. Uh, one of the lines I believe that his ex-wife Winona says in the in the fire in the hole, the yeah. pilot, yeah. is what you're you're one of the angriest people I've ever yeah. met. She says, Raylan, you do a good job of hiding it, and most people don't see it. But honestly, you're the angriest man I've ever known. Yeah, and and that alone is is that is a big summary of the Raylan Givens. Oh yeah, that's character. that's Raylan Givens in a nutshell. Yeah, and and we also get some of that in the short story where they talk about how he kind of sees himself as this sort of old west type, the sort of and it's ironic because not ironic but it's interesting because he did play that kind of sheriff on Deadwood, right? right? Yeah, so this kind of crusader or this sort of, you know, anti-hero who has a moral code, but he's not he's not a moralist. He's willing to kill and certainly in some instances eager to do it uh, when the time strikes. But he's not a killer per se. He's not going to kill in cold blood. And certainly one of the most interesting things about the first season and as we go forward with Raylan is where are those lines drawn? Uh, what can be unraveled? What are they based on? And what we learn a lot in season one is is a lot about what they're based on. When we see uh, some of the people that Raylan grew up with or we see his father, Arlo, a character that first pops up uh, early on in the series, I think in the first five episodes, uh, but, you know, becomes an increasing character in, in Raylan's story throughout. Um, that's really a lot of what the series is about is this is just about Raylan Givens, this guy walking around so angry and so he hates himself and he hates his upbringing and he has such daddy issues and who he takes that out on and how is always very interesting. Let's talk about the daddy issues because I was, I was really excited. Uh, I mean, I, I was excited to talk about justified with you anyway, just because I like talking about television with you and I like talking about uh, justified with friends. And so I'm excited to talk about justified with my good friend, Antonio. But when you said that, uh, you know, when we were talking about like, who are some of your personal favorite characters? I said, Dewey Crow last time. And you said Arlo. Uh, that was exciting to me because Arlo is such a phenomenal and dynamic character. Uh, can you, Talk a little bit more about your love for Arlo now that we can talk about him in the context of season one. <coughs> sure, certainly. He first, his first appearance is on episode five, which is the Lord of War and Thunder. Uh, and he based Raylan gets a call that your father's in jail. And Raylan has to go back to Harlan. And, from, from Aunt Helen, right? From Aunt Helen. Who, who is, is another character who's phenomenal. Who is Arlo's wife, I believe, right? But not Raylan's mother. Yeah, it's Raylan's aunt. It's Raylan's mother's sister who is now Arlo's wife. Yeah. So uh, and Raylan's mom died... I, I don't know. I don't know if they revealed how she died or if they ever reveal how she died. I, I don't really recall. But uh, Aunt Helen basically helped raise Raylan. Uh, she's, you know, very close to him. Yeah. And what you learn kind of throughout the context of that episode via Aunt Helen and just via other kind of things that are slipping out in the episode is that Raylan essentially was was brought up in fear uh, by living with Arlo his whole life. Uh, and Arlo was constantly involved in on horrible things. Um, Arlo, you get some background on, was raised by this horribly religious man who made him live in fear of God. And so Arlo is sort of pushed against that and become the exact opposite, uh, somebody who's hedonistic in some ways, who's always steaming, living for the next lie that he can tell. Um, and it's really what's really interesting about this is that there's a episode five is is a phenomenally structured episode uh, because Arlo throughout the episode he's one or two or even three steps ahead of Raylan. He's using Raylan as bait uh, or as a shield. Uh, he's do he's he's planning out what Raylan's reaction will be and then using that reaction to get what he wants. So all of that is phenomenal and 
all of that is so manipulative for a father to pull on his son that uh, you get a really great picture of Arlo just in one episode and the Arlo Raylan relationship. Uh, that's certainly one of my favorites in the first series, uh, first season for that reason, because Arlo is involved in Oxycontin and he's involved in collections and he's involved in all these things that are serious criminal enterprises that Raylan should have serious problems with and does. And yet Raylan is somehow by letting Arlo kind of dangle out there, he's letting it happen. Yeah, I also just love Arlo's voice. Yeah, he's a great he's a great guy. Raymond I can't. Barry. Yeah, he's just a he's a goddamn it, Raylan. Yeah, he's like yeah, you I don't even know what he sounds like. Bitch. Yeah, well, well, I wouldn't say that about your mother, but about yeah, he's your great. mother. Yeah, he's he's so great. I don't know. Yeah, he's really, really, Raylan, really. You piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's just got this, he's just got this incredible voice, and he's just he's just amazing, and he really is. Uh, he's just like the worst father possible. Uh, you know, he's emotionally abusive. He's so selfish. He's a freaking criminal to the max. He's so manipulative. You know, every time you give him an inch of rope, he will try and hang you with it. You know, he, at one point, he's literally going to turn Raylan over to the Miami gangsters so yeah. that, so that they can have their vengeance for Raylan killing Tommy Bucks. So oh. he is not going to actually pull the trigger on Raylan necessarily, but he's absolutely going to turn him over to people who are going to do something far worse than just shooting Raylan in the head. But one of the best moments of se- of of season uh, of season one is Arlo finds himself at odds with Boyd's father. Yeah, right. And that's MC Bo- Ganey, Mister Friendly, Ganey, Mister Friendly Tom. Yeah. yeah. And that's Bo Crowder. Bo is in jail as series one starts, but he gets out uh, and he finds himself at odds with Arlo because Arlo was supposed to manage some of his businesses while he was gone. Yeah, uh, just just super quickly, Bo Crowder, he's like the shit in Harlan in terms of criminal. He's, he's, He's the guy. He's the top notch. He's like the, the Harlan Godfather. Yeah. And and so when he gets out of jail, Arlo doesn't have money for him. He's directly at odds with Bo Crowder and Bo Crowder starts running uh, Arlo down and starts running Arlo down via running Raylan down, basically saying your son's here. He's bringing all this undue legal attention on us. And Arlo says something that was delivered so well. He just says, the only reason my son's here is because of your son. Yeah. And it's like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> and he says it like he's defending Raylan. So it's like, wow, like Arlo is so complex. He's just he really is just so much out for himself. But again, again, he he has some just some wonderful relationship moments with Raylan where just when you think maybe they've turned a corner, they've only turned a corner because Arlo was leading him around that corner. And there's someone waiting on the other side of that corner to take Raylan out. I know it's incredible. He's such yeah. a bastard. He's just a, a real piece of shit. He really is, but it's hard not to like him, you no, know. There's some, there's something amazingly endearing about him in a way. I think, I, I think maybe it's the actor and maybe it's the performance that there's just something like, I don't know. There's some, there's something, there's something likable about him, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like in spite of yourself, you, you find yourself kind of liking Arlo. Yeah, we should add he's like an old man and he's sort of frail. At one point, he has a, a mild heart attack uh, and is hospitalized. Maybe uh, and he's hospitalized. Maybe he's faking it. You don't yeah. know. <laughs> right. Right. So there's just no way to know. But yeah, he's just a little old guy, white hair, a uh, very unassuming. I'm not sure he's you know, he's got all his teeth or they're that they're in the right order. But uh, he, he 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 has a very unassuming life that he lives. Uh, his funeral plot is right at his house. 
house with his mother, with his ex-wife already buried there. The grave for Raylan is already set up at the house. There's yeah. a headstone with Raylan's name on it and everything. And Arlo's and, as well. Yeah. So this is the life. He's a very simple man. And yet he's a very complicated guy. So I, I think as far as it goes, we talked in our last podcast about how the Elmore Leonard really shines through in a lot of ways unjustified with the villains. And I think Arlo is another character that, and you said it, maybe it's the actor, maybe it's not, but there's a lot of interesting likability that shines through even, even though he is a ginormous piece of shit. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we talk about season one versus some of the other seasons of the show. And I think that some of these seasons are more defined than others, uh, largely through their bad guys, but through their bad guys, those bad guys kind of establish themes that you can really follow from start to finish. And I think season one's maybe a little murkier than others, just because it doesn't really start feeling like a cohesive season until right around episode seven, I would say. Um, but from that moment on, it, it really does feel like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fathers and sons and like fathers versus their sons, sons versus their fathers sort of is, you know, that's, that's the big flagpole of season one of justified. You get that in Raylan versus Arlo and certainly in Boyd versus Bo. I think my, my problem maybe with, with season one is, and it seems like it might seem like a sacrilege thing for me to say being such a big lost fan, but I don't love MC Ganey as Bo Crowder. Uh, he just like, and he kind of dies in a really sudden way. And he's just sort of, he doesn't see ever strike me as quite as dangerous as maybe he could be. Uh, and I, I think maybe it's just a matter of the actor and the role not lining up perfectly. I feel like maybe, maybe there's a better actor who would seem a little bit closer to being, uh, a Crowder matched up with Boyd. Like I don't, I don't buy Boyd being Bo Crowder's son quite as easily as I do Raylan being Arlo's son. Like I feel, I really feel the chemistry there and I never really felt the chemistry between basically anybody and, and Bo, except maybe Arlo and Bo. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I love MC Ganey like you and I. Yeah, I'm a huge just, fan of that actor. I think he's great, but Boy, not not so much in this one. Boyd Crowder is he seems like sort of genius level, like brilliant in a lot of ways. He talks differently than anyone else around him. He really luxuriates around the word around the words that he's saying, and he really just draws everything out. But. He seems head and shoulders smarter than he lets on. Uh, and you get a lot of glimpses of that throughout even the first season, that he's way, way, way more and more on the uptake than than he would let on or than it would seem because of his location or who he is. And Bo Crowder doesn't seem like that. Bo just seems like a kind of a closed-minded, bullheaded, kind of mean jerk who doesn't have these layers of complexity that Boyd Crowder does. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like, like you said, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's no reason to believe that those layers would have developed if he grew up Bo's son. It just doesn't, it doesn't come across um, in terms of the Boyd and Bo relationship. So I'm with you on that. I, I like the actor. I, th I think he was recognizable. I think part of the reason why his death was anticlimactic is, is I'm wondering if at the end of season one, they weren't sure if they were going to bring him back for season two or not. So they wanted to leave it somewhat open-ended. They wanted to have him get shot and not necessarily have a big death scene because they might actually bring him back. And at the end of season one, you hear, how's my daddy? He's not moving. Right. And that's it. You yeah. know, that's all it is. Yeah, maybe he could come back from that or something. Right. If, so If they had wanted to. Right. 
Pardon me. And I think that's part of the reason why you don't necessarily uh, get the big death there. But I, I just think that that was kind of the it was a fitting end for what was ultimately an uneventful character. Uh, and I'm not sure if they. Yeah, if we'll, they we'll just go ahead and confirm he is dead. <laughs> he is dead. Yeah, yeah he is dead. has gone. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I don't know uh, if when they first brought him in, which I believe is like seven episodes in, he's at the end of episode seven, he pops up in prison. Uh, so really, you're only talking about a, a five or six episode run with him. Uh, if that was the plan, a five or six episode run, uh, I, I just I don't know that that was the plan. I think that they kind of back back ended that. And that was kind of what they went with at that point. And once they did, they weren't sure. I, I think they knew they needed to have some kind of big moment at the end of season one. So <laughs> I think him dying is somewhat representative of that. But uh, I do think that that was sort of a, a fitting end to what was kind of a you know, kind of a quickly running character. And I'm just not sure if they knew exactly at the time uh, what they were going to do with him, because this show is so great about sticking the landing with similar characters in other seasons that uh, it, it's not surprising that this sort of half season where they bring him in uh, wasn't as good because yeah, I think the show, you know, the show's just figuring itself out at this point. Right. Yeah. Season one, they were just kind of finding their feet. Exactly. Um, so let's, let's move away from the villains a little bit. Let's talk about uh, the ladies in Raylan's life. Let's, let's start with Ava Crowder. Because she's, she, you know, she's the big presence this season, uh, starting with that first episode. You don't really get anyone known until the end of the first episode, and she becomes important in season one. But uh, Ava's with you from the very beginning, and she's like Ava's incredible because she just to me is, uh, you know, that's this is something that I, I love, 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 love about Justified is I think that the that the female characters are, are written so brilliantly. I think that the women of this show are awesome. Uh, and I don't uh, unfortunately think that that's the case with a lot of other TV shows. I think that uh, women are very underserviced uh, by by some of the other shows. Maybe we cover here on post show recaps, but not the case on on Justified unless you're your U.S. Marshal Rachel Brooks. Uh, but I feel like everybody else has something really meaty to sink their teeth into. And I feel like Ava's Ava season one story is really great and it's sexy and it's heartbreaking and it's action-packed it's there's so much for joelle carter to do with this role and i think that uh you were you were saying you have a friend who just said that she was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen in his life right yeah that's my friend gary which is interesting because gary hawkins uh, that was not gary it was, go, it was my friend gary hogelman okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's interesting because I'm, I'm more of a Winona guy. I love Ava. I love Ava, but I'm more of a Winona guy, uh, because I just, I think that it, I find there's a lot of sadness in Ava, in Ava Crowder. Uh, I, I don't know. And I think the story in fire in the hole bears that out a little bit. I think that it's, uh, I think that it's, it's interesting how that's written. If you, if you get a chance to read that, you absolutely should because that yeah, character, yeah, if you, if you haven't read the fire in the hole short story, it's going to take you like, an hour at most and it's like watching the pilot episode of justified but in an amazing printed word it's yeah so good yeah and if you're a fan of this this show i think that not o- not only that but i think it, it just made me feel a different sense uh than the performances there's nothing wrong uh with the performances on the show at all uh in the, in this respect or any really uh the, other than some of the ones we'll probably talk about but uh, i think it just made me feel i i know people like like Ava Crowder i know people who grew up in a small town and who haven't necessarily ever aspired to be much more and who have gotten themselves into 
bad relationships and that ultimately may or may not define what they do in their life and some of the decisions they've made uh, they can't get past and I find it all to be sort of sad I find her to be sort of a sad character uh, in season one she's very interested in Raylan and she's she's invested yeah, she has this childhood crush on him and the first thing she she does when he walks through her door is she just makes out with him yeah and and at one point it's she like is, it's literally it's like a, a my hero type of moment like oh everything's gonna be good now that raylan givens is here yeah and that's exactly what she says right and that's uh that's a lot of pressure on him uh and i'm not blaming her for that i at one point i think it's blind spot episode seven she uh she basically somebody she almost gets killed and he has to stash her and where he ends up stashing her is with winona his ex-wife and just watching her kind of think about uh what happened between winona and raylan and where their relationship might be uh and where it ultimately goes because winona spoiler alert season one spoiler alert yeah uh does get back with uh with raylan here in season one and ava finds out and she's very 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 upset about it crushed crushed and and i don't know how much of that is the rebound she was an abuse victim and uh she killed her husband and then in literally days later raylan walks into the picture uh and how much of it is that that he really was her ideal uh, from the time she was 14 or something but i find her just to be sad uh more than anything and uh, i i will uh i'll be interested to track how that plays out across these other seasons that we're rewatching. um as far as Ava may or may not be in them we uh we'll we'll get a a different picture of her as we get more of her but uh, in this first season I really did just I I, ultimately I was just left feeling very sad about about Ava yeah and I like that I I think I think that's good I think that you know uh there's there's a lot of tragedy in in Boyd's story very obvious tragedy there and a lot in the Raylan story and I I think that Ava's story is uh just as tragic if not a little more tragic than some of these guys uh but at the same time she, I I don't think that she what's what's empowering about her she does not look at herself like a victim uh that's, right. that's the last word she would use to describe herself if you said that to her she'd probably blow a hole through your chest uh, no and, yeah. and that's and and to me that's that I think that that's what draws me to Ava maybe a little bit more than I'm drawn to Winona. Maybe I'm more attracted to Winona. Uh, but, but Ava, there's just like something really fierce about her. That's just like, you, you look at her wrong and she, she will cut you down. Well, what's really interesting about that, and I, I think that's true, is that if you look at what's happening in episodes 12 and 13 later in the season, she ends up essentially in the, she ends up a pawn. She ends up a damsel in distress uh, because she finds out what's happening with Raylan and Winona. She ultimately decides I'm, not to leave town like she says she's going to, uh, but she goes back to her house and finds these horrible people there who are Bo Crowder's associates and who really are ultimately hell bent on just making life miserable for her in, in any way they possibly can. And she goes and talks to Bo Crowder. She yeah. goes right to Bo and says, listen, what's going on here? And she ends up in distress, but she only does because she's so strong and she's so bullheaded that she does whatever she wants and puts herself in a position when she easily could have gotten herself out of that position. Yeah, so just, she walks up to him and, you know, sticks a shotgun in his face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she's a very interesting character. Yeah, maybe not the smartest person in Harlan County, but not the dumbest either. 
No, and and I don't want to. You know, we, we're trying very have hard to stay spoiler free on these. So I'll just say it will be interesting to track uh, how we feel about Ava season by season uh, to the extent that she may be in some of these future seasons. Um, it'll be interesting to track how we feel about her because this first season there was a, there was a lot of pity and sadness uh, because of the, the positions that she was in and because she was sort of an afterthought for Raylan. He didn't really want to be involved with her. He he couldn't resist, and then he's obviously carrying a little bit of a torch for Winona here. Uh, um, there's hilarious interactions with and about Raylan's uh, relationship with Gary, Winona's current husband. Uh, they just Gary can't stand Raylan for obvious reasons because if we're talking about hot, Raylan is like smoldering sex just walking around. Oh like, God, yeah. Let's I mean, let's let's talk about that for a second because Susan Appleby took us to task in the comment section on our last podcast saying, uh, "My favorite character is Raylan. Are you guys blind? You need a woman's perspective sometimes. Have you seen that guy? He's gorgeous." Susan and I don't disagree that we need a woman's perspective sometimes, but I have no problem co-signing that. Timothy Oliphant is just a specimen. He's incredible. I've, I feel like I'm pretty generous with my man crushes on television. I've got a huge, 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 huge man crush for Raylan Gibbons. Yeah, you have a thing for Juicy Butts, too. So. I love Juicy Butts. I'm a big I, fan. I, don't, I mean, we don't want to leave that out of the equation at all. No, That's a, no, no. Anyone problem. who's listened to me on Sons of Anarchy here on Push or Recaps knows I like the Juicy Butts. Yeah, well, they, 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 hey, there's you got to be you got to be a man. You got to be some kind of man. If you're going to be a juicy butt man, I think we're all right. But yeah, this uh, Raylan Gibbons can walk into a room and turn heads. I mean, he's that kind of that kind of good looking guy. And he has a he has a confidence about him. Right. He strides around like he owns a lot of joints and he's fairly intimidating. And he he definitely uh, puts off an air of just I'm the man when I walk into a place. And <laughs> imagine that being your your ex's ex or your current wife's ex like that is not. Not the kind of guy you yeah, want and you, and your gary hawkins on top of it and you're it's just, just like this schlubby little schmuck yes exactly and your claim to fame is that you made a few real estate deals right you have a decent sized mcmansion uh at one point raylan is just sitting in gary's kitchen uh and it's the middle of the night and gary comes downstairs terrified and there's raylan sitting at the kitchen table so this is the, this is the relationship raylan and gary have and so it's very interesting to see all that play out and how that how that really manifests in terms of Raylan carrying a torch for Winona. But I think it, it becomes clear throughout that first season that he is doing so. And um, and it, it, how that affects Ava is that she's always kind of second fiddle, second thought. She's not somebody who Raylan is as, you know, motivated by, uh, you know, true feelings of love for uh, as he is with Winona. And so I always feel bad for her because of that, because she really I think she has that moment of realization somewhere in this. first. Oh, season, yeah. Well, when she sees. Season. Yeah. When she sees Winona walking out of Raylan's motel, I think she just like knows immediately. It's like, yeah, all right, I get it. And that sucks. That's not fun. Uh, but you know, she doesn't like pine over it for too long. She's kind of just like, screw you, Raylan. I guess I'm on my own. Yeah, she handles it with class. I mean, she really like even earlier when she's with Winona, you can tell there's a huge awkwardness there and she's not exactly sure how to feel that out. But she's very polite, very nice about it. It, it, It's just that that all kind of makes me feel just so bad for her, like I said. And she's not looking for my pity and she wouldn't take it. But uh, that ultimately is the main emotion that I have for her after season one. So what's your main emotion for Winona after season one? Because I think I feel like season one is the Ava Crowder show. uh, And then, you know, as we'll get into season two that's a little bit more Winona uh so so what are your feelings on Winona in season one because I'm not I wouldn't say underwhelmed by Winona I just when when I think about you know kind of the two leading ladies in Raylan's life I think Ava over Winona as far as season one goes I find is, is a much more interesting character 
Yeah, and and this is the thing. Ava is is interesting for any number of reasons, but in terms of Ava and her relationship to Raylan, there isn't a lot there. She she like she hero worships him, she lionizes him, and so she has this version of Raylan in her head that is I don't think is so accurate compared to the Raylan that we know is probably in existence. Winona has a much better understanding sure. of Raylan Givens. And because of that, Winona as a viewer if you're trying to unravel because as much as it's Ava's season, it's definitely Raylan season. It's Raylan show. So as we're trying to unravel the mystery or the the deeply screwed up, psychoanalyzable person that is Raylan Givens, Winona is a is a unique window into him. Uh, he is she, I think, knows the better things that he could be, but also has accepted that those aren't likely to happen. Uh, as you mentioned in the short story, they have children together. They don't have children together here, uh, and so pardon me. It's very. It's very interesting to see, you know, why that didn't happen. What were her thoughts about Raylan? How have those evolved? Uh, and what's the attraction between the two of them that might or might not linger later on into the season? And I find her interesting on that level, which is sort of an unfortunate reverse Bechtel test, right? Like, is that I'm saying that she's interesting so much that she sheds light on a man? But right, she's also right. interesting because she's totally moved on with her life. She's not hung up on Raylan Givens. She's married again. She's trying to actually kind of be nice to him and be friends with him uh, and support him, but in a way that isn't like, oh, I'm so interested in you. And yet that's where she ends up by the end of the season. So it will be interesting, I guess, if you're not watching this, if you're watching this for the first time, uh, exactly how those two characters then continue to relate to each other throughout the, the, you know, oncoming seasons and where we go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. I, I, you know, especially when we start digging into the next season, I want to, I want to dig into that. A little bit more with you. Uh, so let's talk about the marshal's office. So how how much do we want to talk about Rachel and Tim? Tim Tim's another character that Susan Appleby uh, said. Tim's a lot of people's second favorite character. She says, which that's kind of news to me, but I'm I'm interested in in exploring that a little bit. Yeah, there's Rachel and Tim are interesting. Tim is a, a war veteran who is a sniper. As, as Arlo Guthrie, as Arlo Guthrie, as Arlo Givens puts it, oh, that means you're the shit. Yeah, you're the shit. <laughs> Which is fantastic because uh, because he was in the Rangers and he was a sniper. Uh, he has some good moments where he's basically kind of a cold-blooded kind of dude who is willing to step up and take the shot when necessary, right? Yeah, and he he crafts stories for for the people that he has to you know target. Uh, he tells this war story to Raylan about how he was like, you know, he had to spot this one guy for days and just came up with a complete narrative for this guy. Uh, and he talks about how snipers get to know uh, their their targets better than anybody else in the target's life. Uh, so that's it's pretty cool. He's, he's definitely a lone wolf character, kind of classic sniper character. Yeah. And it's but hard- he's also like a like a baby faced sniper, which is kind of interesting. It, it's hard to be that guy in a show that also has Raylan Givens on it. Right. Right. Because or Boyd Crowder for that matter, because these are people that are kind of the alphas and that are sort of cold and dead on the inside, but that are that are able to, to kind of tell similar stories. So Tim kind of I think gets lost a little bit in that regard. Rachel, I think Rachel is the one that the, the show fails a little bit more. I think the show totally fails, Rachel. Because she should be right. Because she should be a lot more than just interesting. Because she's the woman in the office, or well, not, not interesting only, because she's black. Yeah, and, and but uh, but not only that. Like before Raylan shows up to the to the marshal's office, she's supposedly she's top dog. Uh, she's she's the one that Art basically says, you know, Art in charge of the marshals says like she's my best marshal. Uh, and I don't feel like the show really sells it. No, I agree. I agree. 
and in from the pilot on down, they they kind of show in the pilot they show her being used uh, by Art because she's black. Go talk to that black guy is essentially what Art tells her. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's not that's not good service of her, even though it's probably accurate or or a good representation of the fact that Art isn't exactly the most uh, you know uh, soft around the edges, uh, understanding, liberal. We don't want to call this actor a liberal uh, kind of guy. Uh, it, it doesn't really do the character a lot of service. And I think she deserves more than that based on the setup that, that you've indicated, which is that she was really kind of in charge and, and is really kind of the anti-Raylan in terms of being so above board, so professional, so on top of things like that. Uh, Raylan is the exact opposite. He lives by his own code, not any code the government put in front of him or any kind of rules of the profession. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I wish that they'd done more with with Rachel, but at the same time, I feel like when they do stuff with Rachel, I'm thinking of a season two episode in particular. Uh, I don't, I feel like they still don't totally know what they're doing with her. So I don't know. I I just feel like the show, you know, doesn't always have a good answer to the to the Rachel question. But uh, that's that's a matter for for another conversation. Let's talk about art. Um, how do you feel about art, Antonio? I like art, like the kind you hang on a wall. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah like, the, like the kind that you uh, you track down Hitler paintings and you collect them so that you can burn them and put their ashes in jars. Yes, uh, that was uh, was that episode six, the collection. That's correct. Yeah, so just like that, that kind of art. Yes, I like that kind of art. Uh, no, uh, art art is <coughs> art is Raylan's boss, obviously at the marshal's office, and that's Art Mullen. He's the deputy, the chief deputy, and art is somebody who actually requested uh, Raylan. Right. He yeah. requested that he be brought in and that that will be interesting to see how that plays out, because it might, it might be a request that Art quickly regrets. But uh, but Art and, and Raylan had worked together at Glencoe. I think that's an academy where they taught shooting together. He had some respect for him. He knew he was from the area when Raylan needed a way out of Miami because he was going to need to be transferred because of his actions. Uh, here was a lifeboat. Art, Art thought he was offering Raylan. Harlan's probably the last place Raylan wanted to be. Lexington was the last place Raylan wanted to be these are not good things but art is kind of he's what, what would you what are some adjectives you would use to describe art art is surly uh sarcastic um he's very very paternal and like in the positive and terrifying senses of that word you know he's he's like the he's he's like the the dad that like i feel like most people would like to have whether they know it or not you know he's he's the guy that you can you can joke around with you could have a drink with you could have a fun time with but also he will ream you when you've done wrong uh when, when you need to be reamed he will be the first person online to do that so that's that's kind of how i've always viewed art as a character yeah and i think that's accurate uh, i think that that's sort of what he represents but it's a, it's kind of tough love but it is love right he really really does want uh, good things for his people and wants wants to take care of them and wants to help them out uh in in whatever way possible he he's the kind of person that repeatedly tries to prevent a you know Raylan from being his own worst enemy take him out of situations or don't put him in situations where he's going to find ways to undo himself and and he's art's really good boss in that regard but he also really is this surrogate father figure for Raylan uh, and we know what Raylan's real father is like from the first season we see his relationship with art is more like <clears throat> Long ago, Raylan disappointed Arlo. It's not 100% clear why, but it's probably because he became a U.S. Marshal, at least part and parcel. Sure. The funny thing is, Raylan can only disappoint Art by being the exact opposite. Yeah. 
by not being a U.S. Marshal, by not standing up and doing things like that. Um, that's how Raylan can disappoint Art. So uh, it's a really interesting dichotomy and to see how that plays out uh, between the two of them. Uh, and there, that is the relationship that Raylan probably can least afford to lose uh, as he goes forward throughout season one and then beyond. Uh, so... Should we should we talk a little bit about the ending of season one where where we're left off? We've got this big shootout uh, in the episode Bulletville. Uh, the the Miami mob wants Raylan's head. They've sent people to kill Raylan, and meanwhile, you know, Bo has his whole thing where he's going to hand over Raylan to the to the Miami mobsters, but he gets killed off. Uh, it's just it's just this big slaughter at the at the very end of the season, which is kind of fun. Yeah, and that uh, it's set up really well. I think that uh, I think that the I guess probably the last three episodes specifically episodes eleven, twelve, and thirteen, veterans, fathers, and sons in Bulletville, uh, really drive to that conclusion uh, and do a really fantastic job of it because this is something where. The, the 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 issues between Raylan and Arlo and Arlo and Bo uh, and Bo and Boyd uh, and Raylan and Boyd uh, and all of them in the Marshal Service they all kind of are are dovetailing there in Harlan uh, and 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 that is interesting to see specifically how that all plays out because it hasn't been a full season of setup uh, some of it is because. When Raylan is talking about he's kind of under fire with Boyd and they're they're pinned down and they're talking about why it all happened. Raylan says, I think this all started back when I shot Tommy Bucks. Right. So it's a really nice uh, parallel from the beginning or, you know, it's, it's a really just nice, nice signpost uh, or that you can compare to the beginning of the season when you see that actually happen. And you see how that is this all kind of spiraled out of control and led to this one incident. Uh, and that Raylan is, is, is he knows that he recognizes that he's put other people, including Ava Crowder, in jeopardy. Uh, he's put people in Harlan in jeopardy. He's bought, brought crime to Kentucky that wouldn't have happened without him. Uh, and that that realization is really interesting and fascinating to see play out. Yeah, and it's just cool because you know it feels it's it's very much like the Western trope of the the cowboy and like the only person who will stand by him being an old enemy, and they're pinned down in a in a in a hard to get out of space, just completely horribly outnumbered by guns, uh, and they just really have to shoot their way out. I feel like. There's there's a ton of you know Western tropes throughout Justified, but like this this to me is is you know this final scene in in Bulletville is when this show feels the most like a Western to me. Yeah, and I think that's accurate, uh, and it's especially accurate because there's there's a standoff, there's walking out without your weapon, right? Uh, there's all of those yeah. there's all those things happening. There's a pin down in some kind of cabin. Uh, there's there's really a lot of that that going on. So um, the show doesn't. Westerns are are Westerns. They're genre shows or genre movies. They can be appealing to some, and they have certain tropes uh, that can be used in a little bit of a different way. And Kentucky is anything but West. It, 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 we're not Western. Most people would accuse us of being Southern. Uh, people in the South would accuse us of being Northern. Some people, most people say I'm from the Midwest. So we're anything but Western. But that was so fitting as a Western-type showdown, uh, and it was so well-earned, I thought, uh, in the context of what we'd seen throughout the season. It worked really well. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and where does that leave us for season two? Let, let's start looking ahead. Where, where do you think, you know, what, what should we tease up about season two coming out of the season one finale? Well, it's very interesting. It doesn't completely set up where we're going to go in season two necessarily. 
No, I, I think if, as we leave season one, the, 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 what happens basically is that there's a massive gunfight between these two Miami gun thugs who have essentially come up to deliver uh, some some precursor for for some meth and ultimately, ideally, uh, bring Raylan Givens back to a gangster in Miami who uh, Tommy Bucks works for. Uh, and Raylan's the kind of guy that, they, that these, there's a bounty on him, essentially, by these gangsters in Miami. And so... There's a huge showdown over this, obviously, and one of the people escapes, and Boyd says, I want to go after her because she killed my dad, and Raylan is kind of like, She ah, killed my daddy. She killed my daddy. I'm looking for the man who shot my Paul. But, uh, but yeah. how he always called it, my daddy. When now, you killed my daddy. Now, daddy, that's not very nice. <laughs> well, Raylan, I don't understand. I also, th- yeah. does, does Boyd call him Rayland? Do you ever hear him <laughs> saying Rayland? I think he just really luxuriates in the syllables on in that, that end. I feel yeah. like a lot of people call him Rayland. Well, I, I think that probably happens. I think just Boyd listen, is just like just listen for it. Raylan, Raylan. Well, 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 I appreciate that, Rayland. Like, yeah, Rayland, give it like this. Just this, this not you know this D that doesn't exist that everyone keeps Raylan. saying. Yeah, that's interesting. I have to. I have to. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pay attention. Yeah, for just this. listen for it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay attention for Walton Goggins giving him the D. <laughs> oh God! Oh, I don't even know what to do with that. Well, sometimes as you grow up, you'll find out. Um, anyway, the, uh, you were yeah, saying <laughs> there was a, there's a, there's this big Western style shootout, and Rayland and Boyd are at a kind of a crossroads where Rayland, as it can be a U.S. Marshal again, and he can say, "Listen, you shouldn't go kill this person." Uh, you know, she's a criminal. We should bring her in. And Boyd says she killed my daddy. I want to execute justice here. And Raylan kind of lets him go. And yeah, well, also <coughs> not to out. mention that Boyd draws on him. Yeah, Boyd yeah. draws on him and says, uh, I'm just going to just let me go. Just let me do what I need to do here. You, you're out of bullets anyway. You know, I think you are. And- it, yeah, he's like, I'm pretty sure you're out of bullets. And Raylan says to him, uh, are you going to bet your life on that? And Boyd says, no, I'm going to bet my life on the fact that you're the only friend I've got in this life. Yeah, which is really great for the end of the season. That that that's where it leaves it, uh, because Raylan does let Boyd go, but he kind of mimics shooting him. He makes a little pow noise with his mouth and kind of imagines what it would be like. But he does let Raylan go. So at the or Boyd go. So at the end of season one, where we're left is that. Raylan has survived, uh, but who knows where he's going to be at with the marshal service. Uh, he's, you know, he's probably brought more heat on himself by killing people that Miami sent up there to bring him back. He's let Boyd go, uh, to perhaps go exact criminal justice on one of the escaped people that came up to kill him. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, I guess, if you're, if you're beginning season two, those are sort of the loose ends, but they're loose enough or they're tight enough that you could resolve those pretty quickly and dive into a much bigger story. Yeah. Uh, And that's, that's basically what happens. It's not a spoiler. No, no, no. And you know, I think, um, we, we've touched on it that, uh, the seasons have justified, they kind of follow, you know, not, not stories that are going to be completely closed off by the end of a season, but to a certain extent, each season is a specific story. Uh, so this doesn't really set up the big story of season two at all, but by the end of season one, maybe little bits here and there, but sort of the overarching uh, storyline that we're going to be following in season two is, is not totally teased up by the end of season one. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And the, the, <clears throat> the character's, some of these characters that we're talking about are are the characters that are going to stay with us throughout all the seasons of Justified. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting looking back now at season one where they started uh, and where that where their kind of conflicts began and where they might end up. Uh, what else should we touch on here as we're as we're kind of wrapping up on on season one? 
any any favorite episodes or least favorite episodes for you in season one? Um, I really like uh, Blind Spot episode seven. That's the that's the episode where um, some some assassin comes and tries to kill Raylan and Ava in in their bed, uh, and Raylan is trying to figure out. Who is after Ava because Ava's been targeted by so many people up to this point, and there's rumors that Boyd's father wants Ava's de- wants Ava dead for for shooting uh, Bowman Crowder uh, and for whatever role she played in Boyd getting shot and thrown in jail. So there's a lot of like you know attention on who's after Ava, who's after Ava, uh, so much so that Raylan just completely snoozes on the fact that he's the guy who has pissed off so many people in his line of work that there are people who are trying to kill him. Uh, and I, and I really love that. I love because it, it, um, it, I think it, it really pulls the curtain back on just how deep the corruption in Harlan can go sometimes to the extent that the sheriff of Harlan County is corrupt. Uh, he kills a, a man in cold blood. He's going to have Raylan killed. Uh, he, he knows that, that Ava is going to be killed. Uh, so he's, I, I just think that this is the episode for me where, where season one of Justified turns the corner from being kind of bad guy of the week to starting to build towards, uh, you know, there, there's something deeper going on in Harlan. And I think, I think this is the one for me where that comes up. And I also just love Ray McKinnon as, as that hitman who has, you know, he's working on this book of like how to be a hitman. Uh, and he's such a colorful bad guy who seems like to be, you know, he's so sadistic and he's, you know, he's torturing this, this guy who, who screwed up the, the hit on Raylan, uh, and filming it. And obviously he's like taking notes down and you think that he's just going to be this colorful bad guy that's going to have a bigger role. And then he just gets shot. Uh, just as you do on Justified, just you know, sometimes you make a bad decision and you get shot in the chest for it. Uh, so there's just a ton of stuff that I love about Blind Spot. I think that that might be my favorite episode of season one. Yeah, that's a good one. And Ray McKinnon is a, is a good shout out because that's uh, I count at least three Justified alums. There may be more or not Justified alums, Deadwood alums on Justified. Uh, if you're going to look to a cast to pull people from, that's a great one, especially for this show. FX and- really loves to pull from the Deadwood crowd. And, uh, and there's, there's and a ton of de- so. there's a ton of Deadwooders on. Um, well, there's four now that I think about it. Yeah, not just on Justified on Sons of Anarchy too. So yeah. Well, we got W. Earl Brown, who is in one, who is in what I think is my favorite episode, which is Blowback. That's the one I mentioned earlier, where Raylan's the hostage negotiator. I personally like that because Raylan has uh, essentially to prove that he can be different, that he doesn't have to be the guy that he is, and that if you know pressed, he can be different. So I really like that because to me, it says all it takes oh, is a, a bucket of extra spicy fried chicken and some bourbon. You know, the yeah. bourbon will put you over the edge for sure. You can just check Art's office for that. Isn't that but, just uh, hot and cold at the same time? <laughs> oh, it sounds so good. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that, that works out really, really well, I think, because it tells me that Raylan Givens is not some kind of animal who's just sort of reacting animalistically, that he is putting thought into his actions so that when he goes into a situation where he ends up have, cornered, uh, he, he ended up there because he wanted to be there, not because he didn't, he got somebody got the drop on him or not because, you know, somebody ultimately outfoxed him or put him in a position that he didn't expect. 
he gets in positions that he expects to be in. He's a smart guy. He doesn't always have to take the ways out that he does, but he chooses it. He likes the violence. That's why I asked you earlier about the scene where he's essentially drunk at a bar. Yeah. Knows he's going to lose a fight because he's drunk and because it's two against one and lets those guys beat the crap out of him, probably because he thinks he deserves it and probably because he wanted to have the crap beaten out of him. And so I, I, there, there's really interesting levels to Raylan Givens. And, and I think that this episode uh, blow, blowback is really good for that because um, you get just such a different perspective. I also really like W. Earl Brown. I think he plays the role really well. Um, he and was, I think he was that, Dan on Deadwood, right? Yeah, he was Dan Doherty. I think was yeah. his uh, was who he played. Uh, he and he's so. I mean, I recently came across him uh, in the the game The Last of Us. He was one of the voice actors in The Last of Us, and he just popped up, and I was like, wait a minute, I know that voice. That's a rough voice that I really like. Uh, and you know, he's on. I think he's been on Rectify. Uh, I've seen him on a couple of other things that I really like. So. Having him pop up in a role on just just or on Justified was really nice, and I really appreciated that. Justified is so good uh, with the guest stars, wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, no, that's a that's a huge part of why this show is awesome. I was trying to think like who are my favorite guest stars from this season. We got uh, Steven Root as the judge. Yeah, he's great. Um, you've got uh, stupid Steve from Sex in the City as uh, as the the criminal informant Arnold, who yeah. mercifully just does not show up on Justified yeah. after this season. I think <laughs> he's like I don't even think he shows up after a specific after a specific couple of episodes. Yeah, I I don't remember which episode is his last episode in season one, but uh, and again, I'm not I'm not all the way through season five of Justified myself yet, but I don't think that he pops up again. I think that this he, that's one of the decisions where the show. It's like that's not working uh so they 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 get rid of him you uh, mentioned uh, alan rock cameron oh yeah yeah and i know that episode is not your favorite uh we, we've talked about that or, or i saw in an email that you wrote earlier i saw that you didn't like long in the tooth too much but i mean even then dentist cameron is great you know yeah. even, even in the worst episodes of justified uh, even the worst episodes of this show tend to be pretty fun Right. Well, I mean, I personally didn't didn't feel the need to switch the milieu up and I didn't like that. But I did think I did like that. It still felt like an Elmore Leonard story. You know what I mean? It You still had an interesting character who was doing bad things and had done bad things, but was varying shades of evil. He, he really rage pulled that guy's tooth out. Right. But he also wasn't really a bad guy and ultimately brings about his own demise by standing up and letting himself get shot. Uh, so that all played out really well. Uh, so there were some great guest stars there for sure. Uh, you, you, you know, there's some people that maybe seemed like guest stars pop up a little more later. So it would have seemed like Jer Burns is when Duffy was a guest star. Uh, but we know when Duffy will become a bigger character on the show <clears throat> and that's not spoiling anything. That's letting you know, Hey, look forward to this. Cause it's about to happen. Well, yeah, I think, and it goes back to, I think with what this show did with Walton Goggins as Boyd Crowder is he was just delivering such a, you know, incredible performance that they're like, there's more to this guy. Let's find out a little bit more about this guy. And I think with Jer Burns as when Duffy, uh, they, they saw what he was doing. He's such a, <laughs> it's a mean thing to say. He's like, he's kind of a weird looking guy. Uh, he kind of looks like an owl uh, in human form. Uh, and there's just something so shifty about this guy that you just want to know more. You want to know what this, like you feel like this guy could just kill you with his eyes. Uh, and and I, I feel like the, the writers of the show just took one look at the dailies on Win Duffy and they're like, let's bring that guy back. There's, there's more to be told with this guy for sure. Yeah, we have to find a way yeah. to bring him into the mix. I mean, they, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, my count on death 
Deadwood actors is is so wrong. I'm pretty sure Jared Burns was not on was not on Deadwood, uh, but I know that we've got we've got so many others that were on it. I mean, we're they. I think that they have just this there's an incredible pool of actors out there working and you get an ensemble show like deadwood and you have a lot of opportunities for people to stand out uh that it makes sense that 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 shows like justified that when they're looking for guest stars would be able to pull from incredibly talented people that were on other ensemble shows like deadwood so there's there's a lot of that there are great actors that yeah are, there are you know, that, there are at least four people from deadwood on this, oh, season, I think, on this season alone i think there might be six i'm thinking raylan is on deadwood i think that the guy i can't remember the character's name on justified but he's the guy who shows up to kill the judge uh and he's got the kid and everything and the judge doesn't even remember him he was definitely johnny oh, i feel bad on, i don't remember him either he was definitely johnny on justify or on on deadwood i think his name is uh sean bridgers it looks like from 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 deadwood and i know for a fact that he was on that he was on Deadwood. W. Earl Brown, as I said, was definitely on Deadwood. Uh, the guy who plays the sheriff yep. was on, Brett was on Deadwood. On Deadwood. Yep. Yeah. And so we, we were, we're right there already. So I know there's probably a few more. You, we mentioned Ray McKinnon. Uh, he played the, the preacher right on Deadwood. Yeah. I, I used to enjoy, and I, I, I don't think I'm the only person who's ever noticed this, but uh, I used to joke around with friends. I was a big fan of the show Oz on, on HBO and right. how, how like, uh, Law and Order was like the Ozcast's day job. Uh, like, <laughs> you would see a lot of people on Law and Order. You'd be like, "Oh my god, that guy's a horrible rapist on on Oz," or "That guy is a Nazi on Oz." Uh, and people would just be showing up in these totally different contexts. And I feel like there's this same crossover between Deadwood and then Justified and Sons of Anarchy in particular. I feel like a lot of people, it's it's kind of incestuous with with the cast, which I like. I think it's fun. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So as we continue to watch here, season two and beyond, let's keep our eyes peeled for alumni from other shows that we like because they will be popping up. And we haven't even, you know, I, I said he was my favorite character uh, or one of my favorite characters in the first podcast we did, Damon Harriman as Dewey Crow. I just want to give one shout out to Dewey Crow. He's just incredible. I, I, I don't really have anything more to add. I, I like the scene where, where uh, Raylan says, like, I've deputized you. And Dewey takes it so seriously. Yeah, uh, and now I can arrest you for not doing your duty. Like, Oh my god! I know Dewey is so dumb. It's so good. He's so stupid, and it's Boyd so hears like funny. Boyd hears like three seconds of that story, and is like, "Well, that Raylan Givens, yeah, he's a clever guy." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Either like Raylan's poor. very clever, or Dewey's just such a dummy. Yeah, uh, and uh, Susan Appleby again in the comments uh, asked if Dewey Crow is the Sam of Justified. He's so craven. Uh, I don't think so, actually, because I think uh, first off, Sam is so smart on on game of thrones sam tarley is so smart on game of thrones uh and he is uh, he is a craven i don't think that dewey crow is the most cowardly person on justified in fact i think dewey's problem is that he's dumb and falsely confident uh I, he he has a much higher opinion of himself than he probably should have uh and and that's that gets him into a lot of trouble both in this season and uh certainly we'll see it a little bit next season as well sounds just like me <laughs> i know i was gonna say <laughs> gonna say just uh, like me all right well give, give us a tease for for season two and some of the characters we're gonna meet there i think what, what i would would add uh is you know maybe if season one wasn't entirely your thing if you're giving season one of justified the fir- your, your first shot ever i really encourage you to go to season two at least this is the season that i think if you asked a lot of people what's the best season of justified a lot of people would say season two 
I agree. I agree. And I think it's my favorite season of Justified. Um, it's, it's not necessarily mine. I, ha- I haven't totally decided yet. It's probably be, I really like two, three, and four, I think are all fantastic for different reasons. But uh, season two is the one that gets talked about a lot, uh, especially because of a group of characters that's going to get introduced called the Bennets. And, and can you do a little bit of a job setting up who the Bennets are for us? Anthony? Sure. The Bennets are a family that's in Harlan. Uh, it's sort of surprising when we really unravel uh, the significance of the Bennett family that we didn't really hear about them in season one or we didn't see them in season one. Uh, but they, they're a family that uh, they, have, they have a little store there in Harlan and um, they are in various elements, uh, criminals themselves. Uh, there's three sons, one of whom uh, is actually a law enforcement officer, uh, one of whom is just completely bullheaded and stupid. The other of whom is a little bit, uh, probably the smartest one of the three, but is also the weakest one of the three. Uh, and then there's this, this matriarch, this mother figure, Mags Bennett, uh, played by Margot Martindale, who won an Emmy playing this role, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And well-deserved, I might add. Uh, and so we'll see exactly what the Bennett family gets into in season two uh, and how they may or may not intersect with Raylan and whether their dealings put them on, on a bad side of Raylan or a good side of Raylan uh, and how that also plays into uh, what happened with the Crowder family. As you pointed out, Bo Crowder was essentially the, the criminal enterprise of Harlan. So for Bo Crowder uh, to be gone, uh, which we, we know happens, um, that's a major vacuum that's left in terms of uh, the criminal enterprise. And uh, there are a lot of candidates to possibly step up and fill that vacuum, uh, because when you have a vacuum like that in a place like this, uh, you're going to have some people step up. And Margot Martindale is just so, so good at what she does this season. I really don't think you'd want to miss it if you had the opportunity to watch this. So. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right. Well, let, let's wrap it up. Uh, wh- one last question. Question, Antonio. All right. Is it uh is it realtor or realtor? <laughs> I think it's a realtor like Rayland. Realtor? Realtor. There's a D on the end. I didn't yeah. know that. I haven't been pronouncing it right. Realtor. All, all these years. Uh all right. Follow Antonio on Twitter. He's he's an amazing human being. He's at AC Mazzaro, two Z's, one R. Is that right? I got that you right. You got it. You okay. got that right. And I'm at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but rounder. Uh we Antonio and I appeared on reality TV wrap ups last week to do a podcast with uh Mike Bloom and Kurt Clark of the Once Upon a Time podcast here on Post Show Recaps. We were talking about Top Chef, uh, which is a show that's near and dear to our hearts. And um, we we lost a bet with them on that podcast uh, because one of the people, one of the chef testants that we drafted in our fantasy draft went home. And we said, whoever has the chef testant that goes home this week will uh, come up with a hashtag for the other people's podcast. So Kurt and Mike won. And we have to give you the hashtag that they gave us, which is hashtag Josie is my lover which makes sense if you know Top Chef and doesn't make sense if you don't know Top Chef. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the hashtag. You know, let's come up with another hashtag, too. Uh, Should we come up with another? Is it Realtord, R-E-A-L-T-O-R-D? I think so. So either one, if you made it to the end of this podcast, give us uh, hashtag Josie is my lover or hashtag Realtord. And we will be back next week talking about season two of Justified. Very, 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 very excited to to talk about that one. As I said before, I just finished uh, finished watching that today. So I'm I'm like ready to keep going. I wish that you were you were fully caught up right now, Antonio, because I just stay on the line with you. Nice. Uh, But but we'll we'll talk next week, and you guys will hear all about that. Uh, Hope you guys are enjoying what we're doing with Justified. Hope you guys are enjoying Justified. uh, Just going back and watching it, uh, and. 
other than that, I think that we we did our job. We, we've made it less than 24 hours here on the podcast. Fantastic. All right, so no one gets shot, and we'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. All right.